Welcome to the Women in Work podcast, the show that inspires you to confidently step into your God-given calling and view your work as meaningful to the kingdom of God. I'm Courtney Moore. And I'm Missy Branch. We want to introduce you to women who, through their own unique vocations, are seeing what they do make an eternal difference. And we pray these conversations will inspire you in your own calling to honor God, to image Him to the world through your work, and to leverage your potential for His glory. Thank you so much for joining us today. Today we have on the show Sarah Beth Fentress. And Sarah Beth, we are so happy to have you on. She is the founder and executive director of 127 Worldwide, an organization that seeks to connect, equip, and empower the global body of Christ working together to care for orphans, widows, and vulnerable communities. It's based on James 127 in the Bible that says, Pure and undefiled religion in the sight of our God and Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself unstained by the world. Sarah Beth lives in Raleigh, North Carolina, but she gets to travel all around the world serving with 127. And Sarah Beth, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, guys. I love um, I love you both, and I'm just excited for this conversation. Sarah Beth, I'm so excited for this. <laughs> uh, Courtney knows uh, you and I go to church together, so it's been sweet to watch your ministry growth over the years. Tell us a little bit, yeah. briefly, like, well, one of the things I did learn about you, which I thought was great, was that you have an embarrassingly large collection of office supplies. I do. Tell us, what is your favorite pin? I don't know or... where you all got these uh, <laughs> quick facts, but so traveling around the world, I wanted to have something I could always bring back. And I just love office supplies, pins, okay. mostly pins and markers. Okay. So I'm a connoisseur. If you need a recommendation for like the best gel pen or ballpoint or felt. Oh, awesome. Um, I have a, I, I have not Marie Kondoed my pin collection uh-huh. yet. <laughs> so do you have a favorite color ink or are you just like black, blue, what? It's more the flow. Like wow. I like, depending on if I'm writing like a birthday card versus taking notes for a class. So it's more the tip and the, the way the ink hits the page. I mean, I'm a real nerd when it comes so to fun. office supplies for so sure. I apply a lot of pressure when I write. So I really care about the tip. So I can understand. There you go. I can send you some recommendations. Awesome. Well, <laughs> tell us a little bit about where you grew up and um, just about like how you came to know the Lord. Yeah. So I'm originally from Kentucky I'm a big mm-hmm. Wildcat fan, although this year in basketball, that was not much to um, write home about. Um, and then I tell people I grew up from nine months before I was born. I was in church. Um, my parents mm-hmm. um, just were so faithful to show me the gospel and to just keep putting me in places where I, I couldn't resist <laughs> just hearing the gospel and knowing the gospel. So we moved to my hometown when I was two. So that's really all I remember is the small town outside of Lexington, Kentucky called Lawrenceburg um, and just really loved my childhood. I know a lot of people have like miserable years of junior high and high school. I just really have fond memories of growing up in a small town, but then I did kind of exit small town life as I guess as soon as I could. (laughs) I've lived in big cities since I've um, been an adult, but um, yeah, I just had a a great childhood and um, just very blessed. Awesome. And so tell us sort of um, your educational background. Where'd you go to college and some of that? 
Yeah, I went to Carson Newman College. Um, I did a little stint at Western Kentucky. I thought I wanted to go to a big school, but I'm, mm-hmm. I like being a big fish in a small pond better, I think. <laughs> and then I went to Southwestern Seminary in Fort Worth. You got two degrees from there, right? I do. Um, I I wanted. I thought I wanted to be a counselor at the time, and so now I tell people I indirectly use all of my degrees. <laughs> but the interesting thing is, I now lead a nonprofit, and I never took a business class, administration, marketing, mostly anything that I needed to start a nonprofit. I did not have those formal education classes, so I have another degree from the School of Hard Knocks. <laughs> I hear awesome. you. Awesome. That, it's like the Lord. I think it, it causes us to depend on Him when we just don't have that strength or Definitely. that expertise. Definitely. <laughs> well, fun. One of the things, uh, Sarah Beth, we like to do with every single guest is ask them three rapid fire questions, and they're just kind of fun, get to know you yeah. um, questions. So here's the first one As a kid, Sarah Beth, What did you want to be when you grew up? What did you see yourself doing? Yeah, so I wanted to do something in the medical field. Um, I thought physical therapy. I actually started college as a pre-med, in the pre-med track, but my first class was anatomy and physiology. I'm like, nope, this is not for me. So only for one semester was I a pre-medical major. Amazing. (laughs) So I still, I knew I wanted to help people, but just not quite with the bodily ways (laughs) yes I do have a problem with all the fluids I just (laughs) well it's a good thing you figured that out your first semester yes yeah not year two it's true it's true okay next question (laughs) what was your first job okay you guys are gonna love this Dairy Queen I can make the best blizzards and chocolate dip cones my friends would come through the drive-thru and I might have snuck a few cones their way Uh, (laughs) now was this in your like when you were in high school in Lawrenceburg yeah, small town. Oh, so, fun. you know, people would go cruising and they would just cruise through the Dairy Queen. I'd get them a little ice cream cone. I, I bet you were adorable. I can I can just see you in that drive through window <laughs> passing those cones out there, Beth. Yeah, with the, that red visor. Too you know. cute. Yes. All right. Here's the last one. What kind of work do you want to be doing when you're 80? Oh, this question. I mean, I hope I'm not still working in my 80s, but I thought maybe like testing or reviewing beach chairs could be fun. (laughs) That's great. Um, But a little bit younger than that, like a serious answer is I've kind of thought through a next career of maybe doing some consulting or mentoring for people who think they want to start nonprofits because I've made a lot of mistakes and I feel like I'm pretty transparent with like, hey, why don't you not try this? (laughs) So (laughs) that might be more like my 50s or 60s, but I hope by 80, I'm finished working. I hear you. That's a great idea, though, the consulting and the mentoring. I love that. That would be helpful. Oh, I thought you meant the beach. Well, that is, too. I kind of want to join you. Maybe I can find the same beach. That's actually We can make YouTube videos. Yeah, I like chairs. Amazing. I like it. Well, Sarah Beth, this is, um, your story is really, really incredible. And just, uh, it's a lot of fun to learn about you. I would love to just hear I know that what is true about the Christian life is a lot of our life experiences and the things that we have gone through, even the things that are that have left scars, are mm-hmm. almost always the thing God can use to motivate us into ministry. And so then we say as Christians, nothing is ever wasted. So yeah. tell us some about a little bit about some of maybe the challenges that you've had to overcome um, and just some of the things that you know, this is the thing that God used to propel me into ministry. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great question. So 
thanks for asking. I love sharing things like this too. So um, just a little bit about 127, you know, Courtney mentioned James 127 talks about taking care of orphans and widows and it's probably, a, the ministry is 10 years old. So it's probably about, honestly, not until about five years ago, I had this light bulb moment of God has brought me through some specific circumstances that have allowed me to be able to resonate specifically with orphans and mm-hmm. widows. So my mom passed away um, nine years ago with cancer. Mm-hmm. And I was able just to kind of walk through um, hospice with her and be her caregiver. And she was just my hero. Yeah. So kind of not, I don't compare my life to being an orphan because I was older when she passed away. But having that experience of losing a parent, it really helps me to resonate with kids who have never known the love of a parent or who have lost a parent. And then both of you have heard me talk about, I call it prolonged singleness. And so this life, uh, you know, I'm in my 40s. I've never been married. And honestly, this is not at all how I thought my life was going to turn out. And Missy and I joke about that, that her life doesn't look like she thought it would turn out either. And maybe everybody says that to an extent. But when I look through singleness in the eyes of like, I'm the head of my household, I have to pay my bills, you know, if something's getting done at my house, I'm the one doing it. I think God has given me um, really a a heart for widows. And again, I've not lost a spouse, but not ever having a spouse, just being able to relate to some of the challenges. And so I just think leading this organization really with those two components helps me to have more compassion and understanding. And um, it was just like, it was almost like, through the suffering, God has given me a gift of being able to relate to people. And I was able to appreciate that, even though I don't, I still don't like it. Sometimes I don't like the suffering, you know, who does, but I just love that when we can look back and see God's hand through the hard times and it kind of brings purpose to that. So I would say those are definitely the two most defining times. So beautiful. It really is beautiful. Um, Well, in the, Tell us about 127 a little bit more specifically. You use the three words, connect, equip, and empower. And so just talk about that a little yeah. bit and how how it all works. Yeah. So uh, it's really, it's kind of hard to explain what we do sometimes because we work with local leaders who have their own nonprofits in their own countries. We work in Kenya, Uganda, and Guatemala. Yeah. So I kind of just like to give the Cliff Notes version is we believe that vulnerable communities can flourish and that God has already placed local leaders in those communities around the globe. And so we're just in the business of connecting and equipping everybody. So we help Americans kind of understand cultural differences, Mm -hmm. how to get on a plane, you know, what shots they need, kind of that can, that's part of the equipping um, when helping hurts, like how to have dignity and respect as we're um, offering assistance, but it's not just us going and assisting other people in other countries. It's this mutually beneficial relationship where we can learn from other people too. And so I just, I love this idea that we kind of just get to be a megaphone for what God's already doing and um, connect and equip people who might not otherwise know who to help or, or what to do. Um, We want to just kind of educate people and teach them to be advocates for what God's already doing through local leaders. Well, I really love that you're partnering with people in these other countries who God has already led them. He's already put this on them and you're, you're, really supporting the work he's already doing there. So you're not having to start from the ground up in Kenya or, you know, I think that's so smart. I have to kind of defend, like I'm pro American missionaries moving overseas. I'm not against that, but I feel like, especially working in vulnerable communities, the people that we're partnering with have a, a culture and a knowledge and the language. A lot of them grew up in poverty themselves in those areas 
So for, I I feel like maybe 10 years ago, I would wish that God would just call me to move to Kenya and stay there forever and help people. But I realized I can help Kenyans better by staying here and advocating for what they're already doing. Right. So it is a little bit of a unique perspective, but I love it. I wouldn't trade it for the world. I think it's really smart. How did you stumble upon this? Exactly. Like like how? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I think we're going to need a longer podcast for that <laughs> story, but <laughs> I was working with another organization who worked with IMB missionaries doing okay. sports ministry, okay. and this lady in Kenya was starting a school. She was a Kenyan lady, and she sent me, um, she Googled sports equipment and missions or something like that, and she found our organization, and we were pen pals for a year. She really wanted us to bring soccer equipment. And my boss at the time was like, ah, there's no missionary within an eight hour radius of her that we knew of. And she wasn't ready for me just to hop a plane. So we were pen pals for a year. And then I finally uh, convinced my boss to let me take a small team. That was in 2007. And and Rose is still one of the partners that we have today. So God had just planted a seed in her for education for kids in rural areas in Kenya, but she didn't, she was just being introduced to the internet. She didn't have a network of people. And so honestly, God just brought us together. She's one of my dearest friends now. I mean, we're just like sisters (laughs) across the ocean. So that was the beginning. And then I just love that. I was like, how can we reproduce this? It's kind of hard because it was just an organic relationship. And I'm very, we're very careful who we partner with. 10 years in, we only have four partners. Um, but it's that same model of people are already doing things without the, you know, the white dollars, what we call it. They're, they're not looking for us to support them. They're just looking for us to walk beside them and to help, um, you know, to foster those relationships and connect them to people. So what kind of ways um, when people say, yes, I want to partner with 127, what does that look like? Yeah. So we do some short-term projects. Um, they're not your typical mission trips. It's more, let's go and observe and see what's happening. Um, probably the most unexpected thing from, from my perspective, I would say from 10 years ago, this was not on my radar, <laughs> is connecting people who have a skill set um, more towards the agricultural projects. We've had a lot of success. So there's a, a fish farmer in South Georgia that just wanted to go and teach people how to grow aquaponics. So again, I I never thought I would learn about aquaponics 10 years ago either, (laughs) starting an orphan care ministry. Just to give you a little bit of context, there's a plant system and a water system. And so the plants use the fertilized water from the fish waste, and then they clean the water and it drips back down into the pond clean. So again, it's this mutually beneficial relationship. And now we have... uh, That guy has visited all four of our partners, but we have three functioning aquaponics um, ponds in, in East Africa, um, well, three, three areas, but there are actually eight ponds that are functioning and those ponds, they can have up to a thousand fish each. And so their kids are being fed. People are learning how to reproduce that idea. And like other families are taking this into a smaller scale and keeping their, their kids are able to stay in their home and not go to live in a children's home because now their family can provide. So I love this idea, again, in, in orphan care world, it's called orphan prevention. Like, what can we do upstream to prevent these families from having to put their kids in into care of someone else? And that's really what I, I love to do. So I know nothing about fish farming. I know nothing about agricultural sustainability in, in Kenya or Uganda. I'm kind of that connector. And so that's an easy way to explain what 127 does. That's amazing. Um, 
So some of them are more drastic like that. We have, you know, big projects, but we also have people who are just like, hey, I'm a teacher. I want to go teach, like do an in-service day for a school in Kenya. And we've been able to do some, um, you know, smaller scale projects like that too. So it's kind of like, how has God gifted you and how can you use that to tangibly live out James one twenty seven? It's amazing. I think a lot of people <laughs> read that verse and they do, they think, what can I do? Um, and you're like, yeah. here, let me connect you <laughs> to Kenya. Or- yeah, and I, I'm also, I'm pro foster care, I'm pro adoption, but that's such a, a small, minute percentage of the people that need help. Um, so it's also this kind of expanding, what are other ways outside of that? I'm, I'm pro you doing those things. But I think in the American church, it's like, I can't foster, I can't adopt, so I'm not going to do anything. I'm like, no, God still wants you to be involved in his work. That's great. I love that you're providing that. Um, honestly, a, a really a resource for people to be used by God around the world. So, yay. Yeah, good job. It's very rewarding work. <laughs> okay. Well, a minute ago, you talked about how your life really doesn't look like how you thought it would look. And you talked about, what did you call it? Prolonged singleness. Okay. Yes. And so. Like it's a disease or something. <laughs> oh, oh, no. <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> but it is. No, I. Go ahead. What were you? No, you go I ahead. I was just going to say the. You know, when I'm just thinking about when my husband and I have purchased a house together and all of these big responsibilities that come with just life, growing up, becoming an adult. And, um, Mm -hmm. you know, you're you're saying I am this I am a grown woman. This is I am responsible (laughs) for me. And so um, talk about just tell us about thinking through those kind of issues and and then especially starting in this nonprofit where, you know, financially you're depending upon the Lord to take care of you. Yeah. So I think that could splinter off into a lot of different conversations too. So you guys feel free to ask different questions. I don't think of it as a disease. I think prolonged singleness sounded like a disease. Yes, just to clarify. Sorry. sorry if I did not have that come out right. <laughs> no, you're fine. Um, yeah. So I think, goodness, I'm trying to decide which topic to choose as far as starting the ministry, I would say it, it was still a risk at the point when I'm like, I'm going to see if I can do, at first I kind of thought this will be something I do on the side and I'll go get a real job in air quotes yeah. to be able to you know, provide for my financial needs. And so it was kind of a Gideon's fleece that I threw out. I'm like, God, I'm going to give you six months. My mom had just passed away. So I was living with my dad at the time and just kind of thinking through like what next steps might look like. And, um, so I would say it was a risk, but it was a very calculated risk at the time. So I knew, you know, if, if drastic things happened, I knew that there were a family that would would support me or, or, you know, provide for anything that I would need. But at the same time, I mean, that six months turned into we're celebrating 10 years of ministry wow. this year. So just being able to walk through those steps. Um, as far as just a, a tag about singleness, I know that's not the topic necessarily of today's conversation, but I really feel like at my age, most of my friends are married and have children. And so one thing that I kind of have taken on as my responsibility is just to kind of help educate married people. An example would be during the pandemic, like whether you have like Courtney, you have young kids at home, um, Missy has older kids at home. And so you might be thinking, you know, I just, I want a break. I want some alone time. And I think of like how much time you've spent with your family this year. I've spent most of that time alone. And so I think just helping my married friends realize that solitude and I'm an introvert. So people are like, Oh, this is your dream come true. I'm like, no, I was over solitude by April of last year (laughs) and really kind of processing even this like faint, like we're family, we're 
you know, in the body of Christ, unless there's a pandemic, then we don't want people who are mm-hmm. in our house that aren't family. Yeah. And it's not anything that, like my church hasn't done anything wrong. It's I feel like my voice and my kind of, I want to, again, advocate and educate people to say, hey, have you thought about what we say and then how we act and what those differences look like in the church. So I think like in the last year, it's looked like that, like that's kind of been in the forefront of my mind, but in the big picture of my singleness, I see where God has called me to do things I couldn't have done if I had gotten married when I wanted to. I mean, I thought by surely by 30, I would have kids. (laughs) And I think, you know, there, there has been some wrestling with this, like God will give you the desires of your heart. Well, not it's, I'm not saying that verse isn't true, but it's not, that's kind of taken out of context because I still do desire to be married one day. Um, But I also trust in God's timing and know that he sees part of the plan that I can't see. And I have to just be okay with that. (laughs) So I I value my singleness while at the same time I help, I want to help my married friends understand maybe some things they can't see because they're so enmeshed in what's under their roof. Exactly. That's really helpful. And I think, Sometimes it's not even about being married a single. It's just that we're very, also very self-centered. So it yeah. doesn't have to just be what's under my roof. It just be whatever. It's just about me. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm trying to focus on you because I'm only thinking about me. So it's a really helpful reminder. Yeah. Well, in that vein, you have had the opportunity because, you, like you said, God knows the plan and he hasn't given you a husband and kids, but he has given you a fulfilling ministry. So mm-hmm. can you share with us? Um, what has been some of the greatest joys that you've experienced in walking out 127 worldwide? Yeah, um, I'm super relational. So I'm a, I'm a relational introvert. So that's kind of an anomaly. <laughs> but I would just have to say just the amazing people that I've been able to meet, even before the last 10 years, the 10 years before 127, I was still in full time ministry. Mm-hmm. And a lot of those people kind of made the jump with me of like, now we want to support Sarah Beth doing 127 worldwide. So I think it's those relationships. Um, I kind of wrestle with, um, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't consider myself a fundraiser until I realized that fundraising is mostly building relationships and telling stories of what God's doing. And I love both of those things. Mm -hmm. So then if at the end I have to ask for money, I'm okay with that. (laughs) So I think um, just a little preview, I will tell you guys, I'm planning to do for our 10 year anniversary to take a big road trip and just sit down with some of people that have gone on trips with us or donors that have given sit in their living rooms and just tell stories of what God's been able to do for the last 10 years. And I'm just really excited. I'm like, that's work. Like I get to do that for a job. (laughs) It doesn't seem like something you should get paid to do, but I'm really excited about that. Well, tell us a story. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead, Missy. I I had a quick story, but I don't know if you know this, that, you know, here this year, it actually Coming up, we were supposed to be going with you to Africa. Wow. <laughs> yeah. For the pandemic, Ugh. we would be on our way. Unbelievable. Yeah. We're going to reschedule that. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> I remember Peter was in your office. Yes. With me. One of our partners came from Kenya. And they told us the story and we were convinced and we were like, let's, book it. let's make it happen. So amazing. Yeah. We'll uh, well, I can't wait to hear about it. When you go, you'll have to, we'll have to post pictures and uh, update yeah. our or listeners. you can just come with us <laughs> well you're right I would love that. I've never <laughs> been to Africa so that would be amazing I'd love that well you were talking yeah. about stories and how you love sharing them give tell us a story tell us um help yeah. us put in our imagination in our mind um your ministry <laughs> and tell us about the people yeah. whatever you want to share 
Yeah. I'm kind of stuck on the agricultural project. That's kind of what that's been like our most successful stories to tell. So similar to the fish project there, I didn't know this before moving to Raleigh, but North Carolina is the barbecue capital of the world. And so there's a pig farmer who goes to my church for 20 years. He was a pig farmer. And then he came, he moved to Wake Forest to be, to go to seminary. And he always wanted to do agricultural projects and was just praying for ways that he could use that in ministry. So 12 years later, um, our Ugandan partner comes to my church to visit, goes to a small group and says, it's great if you're a pastor or worship leader, like you're welcome to come to Uganda. But what I really need right now is somebody who knows about pig farming. Unbelievable. <laughs> so this was five years ago, um, almost six years ago. And um, so I, he has a really strong Ugandan accent. And even I wasn't sure because he was calling it a piggery, a piggery. <laughs> And so I saw, I looked across the room and the pig farmer and his wife were crying because they've been praying for 12 years that they could have a way to use this passion that they have for farming. Um, They, uh, the farmer had never left the U.S. other than to go on a cruise. So he didn't have a passport, didn't know how to travel. So again, I kind of get to be that connector. Um, He's now been three different times in Uganda. So fast forward six years there, there are 12 families in this community who are pig farming wow. in the small town in northern Uganda, paying their kids school fees, providing food for yeah. their family, keeping their children out of children's homes because of pig farming. <laughs> and so I think like, it's another thing I say, I never thought I would learn about the gestation period <laughs> of pigs when starting an orphan care ministry. But a pig can have 12 to 15 piglets at a time, and a cow gives birth to one, maybe two cows. And so in the market, they sell for the same amount. So for Jeffrey in Uganda, he was thinking, what's a great way we can quickly multiply the income and take things to the market at a much faster rate? And so now if you go to northern Uganda to visit Jeffrey at Acres of Hope, there are 50 pigs and there are 12 families who now use Jeffrey as kind of a hub for their pig farming businesses. Wow. And that to me is just a beautiful picture of favorite, favorite story. (laughs) Yeah. Just God using skills that, you know, he, he gives people with talents and then he gives you opportunity to use those to bring him glory. Well, and don't you think it's amazing? I, I, one of my big things that I love to do is like to step back and see the big picture. And in my mind, just as you're telling that story, I'm just thinking of the globe, literally, you know, thinking of a globe (laughs) and here are these families in Uganda that you didn't, I mean, somehow the Lord has connected you all the way in the U S with these people in Uganda because he loves these people and he loves using mm-hmm. you for his glory. And it's <laughs> astounding to think that in this big world he made, he is connecting people in the body of Christ um, because yeah. he loves them and wants to provide and show, I am a good provider. See how I care for you. And then he uses the pig farmer in North Carolina. I mean, just the whole thing. I'm, you know, the Lord writes such It's like a stories. tangled web of God's glory. It, it's beautiful. It's really beautiful and amazing. Really beautiful. Yeah. And it's also changed the lives of the pig farmer and his wife. Like the wife has been to Uganda twice now and been to, you know, been on multiple mission projects. And it's also revolutionized their life and not just helping, sure. you know, people in Uganda. So and then, I love it. I mean, I love what you talked about with the um, adoption prevention I mean, I just, when you were sharing that with these 12 families, I'm just thinking of these children probably that are being served. And I mean, just like you said, they're paying for their education or, you know, all their needs. It's, it's Mm -hmm. wild. It's great. Well, thanks for sharing that. Well, 
So how has God used all of this to grow you personally? I know that you said you're an introvert, but that you are, Goodness. that you need, you're relational. And I mean, I just can't imagine being impacted by these stories and not reflecting on, Lord, this is what you're doing to me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I feel humbled and blessed. Um, I feel like it's kind of the token answer, but I, I know that in the Bible, God uses people who are not really qualified to mm-hmm. do the work and that's how he gets the glory. And I think there's, there is like, that's the truth. That's from straight from scripture, but there's also this embracing that and not mm-hmm. trying to pretend like you're something that you're not. And so I think I've learned to be vulnerable and transparent and really just open-handed of, I'm very well aware of what I'm not good at. And I'm okay with that because I know God has gifted me in other areas that maybe he hasn't gifted someone. Someone else might need my giftings in other areas and I definitely need other people's gifting. So um, I've learned a lot just to, to be real and not to pretend like I have it all together or pretend like I know what I'm doing. That would not be beneficial for me when it's very obvious <laughs> that I need other people to um, continue moving forward in what and what God has. And also just that he's exceeded my every expectation. Wow. <laughs> if I look 10 years ago, at what I thought this ministry was going to look like, it's nothing like what it looks like today. And I'm so glad about that, that I didn't yeah. get my way. And I think just thinking back to other like previous questions, I think what we want, like what we desire, uh, you don't always get to see that how God has a better plan and a bigger picture yeah. in the moment. Sometimes it takes 20 years to figure out or, or not till we get to heaven. And so I think just that, patience and trusting that even when I don't know um, that God knows and that just being enough. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yes. So oh my goodness, Sarah Beth. <laughs> Sarah Beth, what is, do you know your Enneagram number? I do. I'm a Enneagram two with a really strong three wing. Okay. Tell me about Enneagram twos real fast. <laughs> They're helpers. Okay. Uh, I tell people I knew I was an Enneagram two by all the negative things about twos. Cause I think a lot of Christian women think they're Enneagram twos cause they're like starting the meal trains and wanting to go serve and do missions and help people. Um, but I, I love, I've taken a deep dive on the Enneagram two or the Enneagram, the whole thing, not just the number two. Um, and so part of one of the negative things about twos is like, I'll give you the shirt off my back, but I want you to notice that I did it. And I want you to thank me for it. <laughs> and so I was listening to a podcast about that. I'm like, ouch, she is stepping all over my toes right now. <laughs> and, and also usually twos make a very good second in command, not a good leader because they care too much about what people think. And, and so I think that is interesting. My strong three wing can kick in when I need it to, but for the most part, I like this idea of like our staff kind of feels like a family and a team. And I don't really pull the Trump card very much if I'm the one in charge, but I do feel like I can do that when I need to. Sure. So. Well, I was curious about that because I feel like um, the first time we met, we were just beginning women in work and, you know, it was just the cusp of, I mean, I had no idea how the Lord was going to lead. And yeah. I knew when I talked to you, I knew we were different, you and I, um, and I've taken Enneagram <laughs> tests and I always thought I was like the nine, the peacemaker. Isn't that, isn't that nine? Uh-huh. I, I'm not an expert. Uh-huh. I haven't done the deep dive yet. So. <laughs> but then I, every time I answer it, it's always the three, right? And so maybe I, I'm somewhere in the mix of that. But I all, when I would leave those conversations, yeah. I would always think, wow, you know, Sarah Beth is, God's really made her in a way different than me, but it was so good because I felt like every time I would talk to you, it was just such an encouragement to me 
to keep pressing mm-hmm. into the Lord and think about things I hadn't thought about yet um, as far mm-hmm. as the organization. And so um, that's why I was curious, like, okay, what is her yeah. Enneagram? Where, where, how is she? Yeah. Made? <laughs> I think the counselor, me too. Like I love to ask questions partly mm-hmm. to avoid people asking me questions, maybe sometimes, <laughs> but I ask good questions, I think. And so that could be, part of the reason we clicked so easily, but also an ultimate reason we clicked easily is it was over tacos that we first had those serious conversations. (laughs) You can't go wrong if you're having tacos together. (laughs) Agreed. Awesome. Well, Sarah Beth, you're 10 years in, you know, God's done this thing for 10 years. Who knows, you know, only the Lord knows the future, but what is your, as you think about the future and sort of your hopes and goals, and you already said he's exceeded, everything that you've set out to do in this, mm-hmm. um, you know, what would you say, man, this is, if this could happen for 127 worldwide, I would just, you know, be thrilled. Uh, you know, what, what do you see? What was your ultimate yeah. vision or hope? <laughs> yeah. Well, again, because I love relationships, I love just one-on-one going deep with people. If we're having tacos or if we're discussing ministry, Um, I've always been more interested in investing deeply into a few places instead of, I call it shotgun approach to missions. Um, And so I think I'm just me personally and our staff is more concerned about doing things with excellence Mm -hmm. than to turning into this huge organization that's Mm -hmm. producing pig farmers all around the globe, you know, thousands and thousands of pig farmers. It's more like working in small one-on-one, how can I connect and equip people Um, you know, real everyday people who want to learn and grow. And maybe they just need a little bit of direction, a little bit of coaching and consulting. And also just at 127, we want to be good stewards of the people and the resources that God is, is bringing our way. And so I don't really have this like 10, in 10 years, we want to have 10 partners in this many different countries. We're really open to direction that God leads and really leading open-handed in the ministry to say, you know, right now we have four partners. They're very different. We're open to exploring new possibilities, yet we're not like seeking out, you know, buying plane tickets to go visit anywhere new currently. So I would think this idea of like continuing what we're doing and polishing it and making it better and orphan care with excellence is kind of the the words that are in my mind. Um, even in the last few years, we a lot of places or some of the places we work with don't directly have orphans. It is more in this prevention area. So it's more um, caring for vulnerable communities with excellence, mm-hmm. I guess, would be a better way of like even before kids have an opportunity to be, to be orphans. What can we do to infuse that community to be able to take care of the vulnerable people that live there? I love Sarah that. Beth, how can people find you and how can people support 127 Worldwide? Yeah, so the website is just 127worldwide.org, 127worldwide.org. Um, that's a, the best way just to hear a little bit more. I actually have a podcast I would love to share on, mm-hmm. on your all's podcast. It's called Simply 127. You can search for that where Apple or Google. Uh, I think it's on Spotify too. Um, so yeah, we, we really just want people to be interested and learn more and then figure out ways that God is stirring and working for in ways that they can click into what God's already doing. Well, I really hope as women are listening to this, that um, that the Lord is either stirring within them something that they could see, oh my goodness, oh, I could no. serve the, a community, a vulnerable community in this way, or that the Lord would even put in their mind someone else. Maybe it's not a pig farmer, yeah. but maybe this family in their church does artisan crafts or, I mean, who knows, right? 
Um, I just, I pray that the Lord will use this conversation um, to get more people connected to serve around the world with, with 127. Yeah, for sure. Also, I don't mind sharing my personal email. It's just Sarah Beth, S-A-R-A-B-E-T-H at 127worldwide.org. So again, I love relationships. If anybody wants to chat more about anything they've heard, I would love to do that. Sarah Beth, what this reminds me is that the way Jesus worked was that he, while yes, he did speak to 5,000, he really invested in those relationships, Mm -hmm. the 12 and the 70, like more intimately and that often the work that we think we need to do is the loud and everyone sees me and it changes the world kind of work. But the your experience and mine too has been that it's that one-on-one changing one life and the life of one family, yeah. or one woman or my child or whatever. And so I am, I'm blessed really by what you're doing. And this is an encouragement to the women listening that God can use you even in a very small way, like a pig farmer can really be changing somebody's <laughs> life across the world. Yeah. With no idea that the, the little thing that they do, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Day in and day yeah. out is excellent. Well, yeah. as we close, what is one piece of advice you would like to leave uh, with women who want to honor God through their vocation, who see that God has cut them out for something, but they um, may not necessarily know how to go run in that? Yeah. Um, I realize this is a little bit of a stereotypical answer, but I would just say um, challenge people to know themselves. I mean, similar to what we've been talking about today, I feel like so many Americans are not really self-aware, mm-hmm. positively and negatively. How has God gifted me? What situations have I been in that he might want to use in ministry for his glory? And even the weaknesses, where am I not um, gifted? Where do I need help? And I think kind of tying that in, Uh, One thing that my dad taught me that is just stuck is to always surround yourself with people who are gifted in areas where you're not and be okay with that and learn to work together. And if I look at the 127 staff right now, um, there are a lot of people who are not like me. (laughs) And yes, maybe that's frustrating and challenging at times, but we also make each other better and we realize where our weaknesses are and where our strengths are and we're able just to operate in those. So I think self-awareness and then also just embracing where your weak spots are and finding people who are, who love things that you hate to do and who are good at things that you're not good at. (laughs) Yeah. I think that's really wise. So good. Sarah Beth, I want to ask you just a follow up to that, similar to this question. Um, Okay. If let's say that the Lord is working in someone listening right now and he's put an idea in their heart about Mm -hmm. a way to serve, maybe, you know, and they're, they have a dream of like, Hmm, man, I wish, Wish I could start a nonprofit. Maybe it's not the same as what you're doing, but you know they've got something working in them that they sense yeah. this could be the next thing that God wants me to step into. Now I know you said your story really started so or- organically with this pen pal situation, mm-hmm. but is there any way? And this might just be kind of hard to answer since everyone and their stories are so incredibly different. But is there yeah. anything just for that woman out there who's listening that specifically wants to start a nonprofit? Like, is there just something for her that you might? encourage her with. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I already shared my email. So (laughs) step one would be let, you know, I'm super relational. So let's have a chat about it and and see. Uh, I sort of say this jokingly, but I I really am serious. Someone told me 11 years ago, do not start your own nonprofit. If there's any way you can find 
a way to plug in with someone else who's already doing something similar. And obviously for me, I, I couldn't find exactly what I was wanting to plug into, but I would say take some time. There are lots of great ministries who are doing lots of great different things. And if there's a way you can kind of collaborate and go in tandem with something that's already existing, that definitely is not just the easy way. It's it, sometimes that is the more wise way. Mm-hmm. Um, I did a lot of research. I, this was never on my like 10 year plan 15 years ago to start a nonprofit. Mm. And so I'm really leery, but also like, I would love to chat with people. Um, I also meet with a group of executive directors in Raleigh. We're on over zoom now, obviously, but um, I love just hearing different founder stories and found problems that founders have and just connecting with people who can resonate. So I would encourage people, if you're looking into the nonprofit world, there's lots of coaching, consulting, uh, other executive directors that would be happy to to meet with you and and visit whether this is something that should happen or maybe to kind of help you steer into a different direction but I'm I would be always thankful that God is stirring that you feel like God's leading you to do something just don't make too quick of a a jump would be my advice that's really awesome. wise yeah awesome <laughs> Okay. Well, listen, Sarah Beth, it has been such a joy to have you on and uh, yeah, we love the work that been fun. God's called you to. And um, it's so fun because all the three of us, we all knew each other. And then you two yeah. ladies actually go to church together, right? Yeah. So, I mean, it's just we been like catching up with friends. <laughs> so, yes. <laughs> yeah. And thank um, you guys so much. This has been so much fun. You're so thank welcome. You and then I do want to just down in the show notes, our listeners will be able to find a link to your website, 127worldwide.org, and to your podcast, mm-hmm. Simply 127, right? Isn't that what's called? Yeah. Simply 127. That's it. So, guys, check that out. And um, thanks so much. Thank you. And thanks so much to our listeners for joining us today. Be sure to check out our website at womenwork.net for today's show notes. There will also be more information about today's conversation there. And while you're there, take a look at the Women in Work podcast discussion questions. We provided those so that you can lead your friends from work, your neighborhood, or your church into useful conversations that will encourage you as you take your next step of faith into your calling. If you enjoyed today's show and don't want to miss an episode, please subscribe through Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. We'd also love for you to take a minute to rate and review our show so more listeners can find us. And with that, we hope you've been inspired to more confidently step into your God-given calling and view your work as meaningful to the kingdom of God. See you next time.